Greetings and welcome to Liminal Light, a show that explores the languages of myth and star, earth, sky, tongue, and spirit through weekly astrological forecasts. I'm your host, Chris. Enjoy. walk the perimeter of the camp and wander out between wide slats in the fencing where the mauve clouds hung softly in hue defy their weight over the slouching horizon at dusk, the brimstone smell lacing the lavender pigment of the picture. Focused on words that stamp the pages in tattoo paragraph, assemble neatly into columns that disperse as the paper pulp itself disappears leaving only the phrase pieces which float away like fruit flies dying in midair, as if passed through the flutter of distracting text out into marshes and reeds, rippling the outlaying lands around the territory we squat, below or above the hill, as if we are between floors where Alfred Jarry once lived, or mid-staircase before Shakespeare coined the terms upstairs and downstairs. The north-facing or south-facing flanks of earth obscure our view, and out here we are truly lost. What we once depended on might have been a ghost. We pull the scroll from our robe and burn it. Feathers of death birds fight for their incineration rites. Panicked, we take our radios and smash them into pathetic insects, inert in their plastic or silicone diode scramble. We call down a rope from the sky, but we cannot ascend. It is frayed and prickly to the touch. We look into a nearby hole for escape, but it is a narrowing shaft that wishes to masticate our ankles. There is only horizontal movement available with slight inclines and declines to frustrate us or variate our pace. And in fact, with our eyes squinted, it is clear that they shift beneath like a sleeping beast. What if this beast were to awake? Would the hillside rise into a summit? Or would a valley invert into a rise? Would stone wells flip out into stone stacks? And would those columns be stable or liable to topple? Out here in the uncharted edges of the painting, somewhere beyond the frame, folded under the white wall and beneath the plaster, out of sight of voyeur or viewer, nothing can be predicted. All is likely to change. Nothing can be depended on. Should we go back then to the safety of the compound cradle? sit beside the cast-iron stove on stone benches inside balustrades surrounded by sentinels where everything is predictable? No. The idea wrenches our guts. There may be only pennies to pick up out of the gravel out here in the fringe, but at least we do so out of our own volition, and not mechanically, responding to stimuli like rats or salivating at the sounds of bells. Some clever bastard takes a hot knife to the flat white surface within the museum wall and peels the skin away, revealing us standing out in the extension of the landscape, where the broad strokes feather into chaos and happenstance, like hair must by hours spent dreaming, the colors hanging off garments and slipping threads. They see us, we hiss and shrink away behind the remains of rocks that outcrop the dry bed lakes, skulking into seclusion, where they would have to remove the painting from the wall and turn the frame around find us wrapped beneath the canvas on its spine, and to do that would trip lasers and sound alarms, and they would be removed from the gallery, or worse, arrested and charged for the damages. Between bared teeth we spit venom into the winds, which cradle the bird of prey we engender and hurl it like a dart toward the camp we quit, but it fails short and scuttles the dirt outside the worn walls of curled gray wood, desiccated by the sun, rendered in red, setting below the leaves of a forgotten autumn, incinerating dross that smolders like trash in a ring miles wide around the compound. Seen from above, it would form a giant, irritated eye, a blood-wrenched and spider-veined ocular organ disembodied from its source. The astute gallery-goer knows this, a demon which you can never engage in conversation as they look always away into a sky whose thin horizon does little to nothing to prevent them from penetrating the aeons with their stare. Out on the frontiers we know this well. We have distance, and space around us to grasp the whole picture, and it rumbles in our stomachs like gravel eating grit in a churning pumice of poison. 
We hold our stomachs and laugh. The turpitude, the primal wisdom of human flocks and herds, intercourse and consort. There's something that we seek off camera, something in the air, waves that massage the aethers, certain potentials in the collective consciousness, the yet formed seeds of action, the what ifs, those pearls of the avant-garde, those things found only in trance, the antithesis of gray teeth cut to regular dimension, clamping down on our meter in measured libidos, like clamps and valves on secretions, endocrine stints, contracting via remote control, vital life on presets, out here under open sky in the smeared colors and mingled hues we breathe pure oxygen and our blood thins to dizzy us awake. We fall to dream in lucid swat through sortilage as we swim in airy abandon. The knuckle bones and dry reeds trickle and pour possible pathways that slither eight ways or twelve ways in the dirt like salubrious snakes. We could go somewhere else, somewhere where the picture is perfect again. Do it how we know it should be done, and enter the center once more with a renewed sense of refinement. But to do this we must escape, go out so we can go in. It's a different house we return to than the one we had left. We are different shapes, so that which contains us is forced to scour around us in accommodation to the spikes and horns we've grown while we were wild. We scrape its interior and clean it of buildup. This should be the way, but we walk a weird path and sudden retreats can be dashes into disaster. We don't want to tear the canvas open with our burgeoning nubs and fall as freaks onto the floor where we'll be scrutinized like laboratory specimens in an alien abduction. No, nothing premature. We must wait in inverted postures, as Austin Osmond Spare and Wild Woden both taught us to. Where we find the sigils and runes that were always there and screaming, pick them up. It's there, after we know what we must lose, that we disentangle from our purge and return renewed to the tent of city cement and screen glare with old skins shed and even older ones, ancient ones, that we found in our retreats, newly dawned. This is wild work, and wild work is careful work. It must be approached with respect, as you would when talking to a tiger. Flailing will only get your jugular jabbed, but instincts will help, and that is really all there is out in the undefined, instinct and chance. So in our retreats and inversions we douse, and with sensitive fingers and listening minds we may come to find our futures while our feet tread the coals and the poison works its way through our systems. Eventually, alphabets chain anew, and we come to find our words, and the pages we once held slip back into our hands and bind themselves into a book. It's an account of where we went, composed while we were gone, and also an allegory that conceals direction to the treasures we now quest for. Venus moves into the third decan of Leo and the sun into Cancer's second face as July opens. Attracted to the aesthetics of courage, finding beauty in the lion-like, and prepared to stand in defense of our homes, that which nurtures us, the place where our lives and loved ones and, and creative concepts all grow. We have visions that require quiet and privacy, but let it be known that we love to project our banners brightly so that it can be seen that we live and grow within our greenhouses even if the pale plastic prevents prying eyes to see what preciousness thrives within. Mercury passes over the North Node in Leo on the 3rd, and is spoken of to increase, of how our voices may be amplified if only we had microphones, how the truth we speak would ring in even greater earnest if only our voices were louder and more people could hear and appreciate our sentiments. Then we could easily say that we wish into the apparatus and whisper what we want to keep secret direct into the ears of our accomplices. The sun trines Jupiter on the fifth, and this vision of incubation harmonizes with wisdom of intense and primal engagement, the philosophy of flowers which blossoms at the bottom of the spine, thorns alongside blooms. Incubation is a delicate but persistent battle to keep what is susceptible safe from pollution and the knowledge of poison in close proximity relations highlights how we pass back and forth what we need in a kiss, but must spit our venom with heads swiveled always away from our partners. The incubator and the incubated are often engaged in an intense and primal affair. 
This aspect sets the stage for retrograde Mercury's opposition with retrograde Mars later that day. Expression and logic of mental performance opposed to turbulent energy and action in the abstract or exiled zones. In both aspects of the day, there is a noted inside and outside, a tension of energies and a need to perform in delicate operations, even if situations present more heat and wind that is wanted. This is a theme of the summer, being like the surgeons of MASH, able to operate effectively amongst mortar pressure, and even or especially to keep your sense of humor and sexual expression intact throughout. The sun then trines Neptune on July 8th, an identification with safety, comfort, and nurture harmonizes with intuition, compassion, and universal love. Although there is no voltage control on the outer planets, so fantasy, delusion, and hallucination may also pass into our visions. Expect all that comes with psychic empathy here, both positive as well as negative. The following day, Mercury squares Jupiter and Venus ingresses Virgo on July 9th. The purification of poisons and deep understanding of primal human nature clash with communications and public affairs. City councils are not therapy groups, so deeper emotional issues and spiritual pain might make it hard to speak the truth. That night, Venus enters her fall, where she focuses on aesthetic details and finds beauty only in perceived perfection. Love can become a clinical process. There can be frustration felt around parameters of moderation and indulgence, and creativity can be reduced to nitpicking. Virgo Venus can make a great creative director, like a filmmaker or the head of a fashion house, but outside specific sanctioned roles, her action can get her into trouble, coldly criticizing everyone's outfits and haircuts. Jupiter stations direct on July 10th, turning the tides of growth cycles, marking the readiness of philosophical expansion and the insurgence of opportunity proliferation. We can take the wisdom and coherence we've gained over the past four months and begin again to get bigger. As this occurs in Scorpio, it will come with themes of internal alchemical filtering and processing of pain and poison. Corrosive occurrences in our life exfoliate and ready us for enduring and being guided by a purer and more polished wisdom. Venus trines Uranus on the 11th. Strict detailed aesthetic processes harmonize with volatile creative substances and chaotic pace, which might make us very experimental with details and micro procedures. This is just a trine, but it is a trine between Uranus and Taurus and Taurus's sign ruler in another Earth sign. Uranus can always throw curveballs, but on this day, it might be just what is needed. If Mars is operating in an eccentric and radical manner, then this might be an opportunity to hit some sort of groove and sync up to the disjointed rhythm. Bust out the Peter Brotsman and Albert Eiler to see what I mean. When improvising with free jazz musicians, you make subtle and powerful music while following rhythms that might never return, and maybe even more than in conventional composition. The devil is still in the details. Speaking of the sinister, there occurs a new moon in Cancer opposite Pluto and Capricorn on Thursday, July 12th. Raw power of the unknown or the mysterious in nature's laws and society's structure, opposed to vision, awareness, and orientation to the spectrum of abundance and scarcity. Like the fear of not knowing if nature or society can supply enough food to live comfortably, or an utter obsession with having everything so that you never end up having nothing, or the experience of having it all taken away. As this is a new moon, it is the seed form of a storyline that unfolds over the course of time leading up to the next lunation, which is the lunar eclipse in Aquarius, encoding its own purge of substance via Ketu, or the dragon's tail. There's an eerie symmetry here, that the feeling stirred by looking into the void nestled within the machine, or the black hole lurking in the wood, set off a tangent that leads to a cathartic bonfire where possessions are hurled into incineration. The fact that all can be consumed leads to a feeding of oblivion and a celebration of destruction. This is something to sit quietly with on the twelfth and contemplate. Counsel with ancestors and familiar spirits while the veil is thin and the void is visible, and prepare Hecate's supper as the hedge stands ready to cross and in fact its gnarled and knurled gates open, a time truly betwixt, between ages and between lunation and eclipse, 
between light and shadow, and on this end black, and on that end red, darkness and then blood. Witchcraft is implicit. This is a hard lunation, as the last one also was, that in that they will be for most of the summer. This is not the popular witchcraft of pagan role-playing, but the real witchcraft of embodied trial and transformation. To follow up the foreboding foreshadowing of the new moon in Cancer, Venus trines Saturn on July 14th. Detailed aesthetic processes in harmony with limits of nature, society or structure, in particular territory, forced to work creatively with what's available or within set parameters. This sounds like the kind of getting real which is required. Nature has limits and it's time we begin to respect them. On the flip side, Venus's previous trine to Uranus showed us how we can augur precious details out of ecstatic states. The extreme wax and extreme wane of the upcoming eclipse season put into context. Our world is now one of extremes, and Mars going rogue and retrograde helps us to understand how we need to be more radical to navigate it. We can no longer depend on the central structure, that is abundantly clear. We have to stand for ourselves at all costs. Venus next sextiles Jupiter on July 22nd, the day that the Sun enters his domicile, Leo, which sets the stage for the upcoming eclipse. Methodical, creative process working hand-in-hand -hand with coherence of intense engagement and primal emotional wisdom. Uranus in Venus's sign volatizes and surges, destabilizing energy into the fertility of craft. Meanwhile, Venus focuses her attention to the beauty of details mid-process, knee-deep in the minutia of doing it. Jupiter understands how the hands-on process here can help work it out and transmits hidden layers of gnosis that could not be found from contemplation or study alone. Meanwhile, the sun begins to help us realize we may know when and how to orient ourselves to how and when to shine, to step out of the cave into the light as the moment calls, to become who we truly are, knowing what we know from doing what we've done. Only two days later, Venus opposes Neptune in, in Pisces. Venus in fall opposed by Neptune in the sign of her exaltation. Hallucinatory fantasy smears all the precious details before her, and perfection fights to stay defined in a maelstrom of imagination and psychic sensitivity. The next day, on July 25th, the sun squares Uranus. Orientation and vision of visibility clashing against sudden shifts in pace an upsetting of materials, resources, and creativity. We are shoved into the spotlight without a script and forced to improvise. Venus's horror or delusion about cohering details or loss thereof is a fitting precursor to the leadership roles we must here accept on the fly. Only a few hours later, and not surprisingly, Mercury stations retrograde. Argumentative logic and speaking on others' behalf has us beginning to rethink and reorganize ideas, retract statements, and reinvestigate certain characters, as well as their motives, as we struggle to figure out who is telling the truth and who are what they seem to be or claim that they are. When we are forced to grab the horns and improvise with materials that haven't yet been fully processed on shifting terrain where the limits are hard and obvious, the players in the game become hyper-important, and we must know acutely who we're dealing with. Then it happens. We receive the lunar eclipse on the south node conjunct retrograde Mars in Aquarius on July 27th. The sequence will go like this. At 1 a.m., the sun opposes Mars. Orientation to visibility opposed to shifting gears and energy or action of decentralization and needs to evacuate or act out on the frontiers without a formula. At 2.45 p.m. the moon conjoins Mars and feeling a desperate need to act in an unconventional manner, highly irritated and fed up. The main event takes place at 4.20 p.m. when the eclipse occurs as the sun and moon oppose near the nodes, a violent or vigorous purge of substance stuff in the abstract or far outer reaches. Actions amongst exiles liquidate in an impulsive aggressive manner. Intense purification of stuff out of disgust or ascetic necessity, outside of conventional limits. Unbalanced cutting out of things from life that need to go, but it's very possible to go too far and blow up your house simply to rearrange the furniture. 
On this day and around this eclipse in general, it's important to keep an eye on yourself and observe when you're acting in the extreme. Taking old clothes to the thrift store is probably a good idea, but might not be as cathartic an expression as yearned for. But this doesn't mean you should burn all your family photo albums. The energy necessary to enact considerable change is available, but we should use it like a potent and dangerous tool rather than falling into the trance of the spinning saw blade or allowing the flaming tongue or the blowtorch dictate what we do. We've got to maintain control when the energies around us are hazardous so that their impact is beneficial after the smoke clears and the dust settles. Success this summer requires extensive experimentation rather than critical decision. We must use the abstracting and escaping intentioned Mars to make space in which we can ritually work, like defining the magic circle around our operations. And then we must manage the turbulent energy presented by Uranus, perhaps the addition of an entheogenic substance or particularly unpredictable spirits to the right. The way then is to not go crazy, but to proceed with care. After the process plays out, we will have discovered different ways of doing things that will be valuable to the new circumstances we meet when more stable times arrive, which allow us to more safely make our moves. Now is the initiation rite which makes the path possible, not necessarily the path itself. Appropriately, Venus trines Pluto at 9 p.m. Methodical, creative processes harmonize to intense power and fear of the unknown elements of nature, society, and hierarchy. The process contains the void and reflection. It occurs in the creative darkness inherent in the nature from which all things unfurl. And with our hands in the work, they wash in her emergent current. Okay, well, welcome back to the show, Bonnie. Good afternoon. And today we have a very special guest, Eli, musician, poet, performer, energy manipulator, and talismanic scriptomancer. How are you doing, Eli? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good. Great. And so, yeah, um, you're joining us for a fun show, I guess, <laughs> in the sense that it's we're covering now a lot of the like most turbulent aspects that we've had. In- and it's... In quite a while. And it's the first show where we're covering an entire month. Yeah, it's the first wow. show where we're like, this will be a month-long episode now rather than a week-long episode. And I've been trying to tie more um, more allegorical kind of narrative writing into the forecast. And I was looking back over it um, as I was reading the notes that um, we had been emailing back and forth about stuff that you're into right now. And it, it actually fit really well. I was talking a lot about like, um, the words you're looking at on a page just disappearing before your eyes and um, and, th- and being forced outside of the, the canvas of a painting to where you're like in the, f- the part of the, the composition that wraps around the frame and you're somewhere in this like inversion state which is all like about the upcoming and current astrology but then looking at the notes that we'd emailed back and forth to each other I was like oh this is perfect this is kind of like the same subject matter anyway Right, the, the phrase that stung me said eventually alphabets chain anew, which is sort of yeah, right. a good summary of what happened. Yeah, when I was just recording it, I didn't know if you had read the forecast entirely that I sent you. I was like, when I reread it, I was like, okay, yeah, exactly. And so do you want to kind right. of, um, I was, it's really interesting what you're doing with the invisible, um, invis, invisible calligraphy, the 4D calligraphy, and, um, Right. Do you want to kind of tell people who might not know kind of where the direction that you came from with poetry and writing and what led you up to how you're expressing it now? Uh, sure. And sort of what we were talking about earlier, it takes sort of like someone asking you to explain yourself and you're like, oh, great. Yeah, Here we right. go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, take you it. actually take force it. yourself to get it out of your head, right. bring it into yeah. it language manifest it and then you're like oh there's the idea that's what i meant i just couldn't figure that out yeah and so that it's called the it disappears and it reappears in different ways like based on on (laughs) stimuli right uh basically it's been trying to get away from parsed units and i know i 
I, I wrote you those in the notes, and that's more of like a a life project that waxes and wanes in projects. We deal with a lot of digital technologies, and I'm uh, interested in using them when they benefit me, sort of like using mathematics to build the house as a metaphor, even though we know those aren't really real lines and mm-hmm. uh, real numbers, straight lines. So in writing, I always thought one of my goals was to break down syntax, which eventually became to break down the word. And I did use computers to do that, uh, the limitation eventually being the unit of the letter. And uh, if you use the word as a whole, of course, you can learn how to make those words morph and not be parsed in the familiar and sort of logic and law-based ways we've been trained in. But uh, I still got sort of frustrated that I was using these little finite uh, units to make my art, and I didn't really know that that was the purest way to express. So uh, I started drawing again, and I started doing calligraphy, which I did a little bit as a teen, but not really since. And then somehow the smoothness of those letters going into each other led to uh, even like a character-based unit list a non-character-based writing, like a scenic writing, which has no uh, reference. And I was doing a lot of smoother projection. I thought I was being a lot more honest with myself and trying to get those ideas across. Simultaneously doing Tai Chi over the last couple years, uh, I wasn't trained to use a staff, but when I would show up early to my class in Rhode Island, my teacher would always be using the staff, and you know, he would never dare give like an extension to any new student, and you know, I asked about it, he like laughed and told me to wait a million years. Uh, but when I went home... That's such a great thing for a teacher to say to a student, you know, <laughs> right. the million year requirement, you know. Also told me to stop reading, which is, I've never been told that before, but wow. like, by Marilee every now and then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I got home, I found a six-foot copper staff in my house, which I had always seen, but it hadn't really uh, shown itself to me, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I started secretly doing really easy Tai Chi. It's a very lightweight, you know, copper tube. Uh, I can hold it in the center, and it's perfectly balanced. You can barely feel its weight at all. So instead of really utilizing the staff, I just started doing normal Tai Chi and just holding it. And slowly, over the past year or so, I got really comfortable with it, started working it into performances. Never thinking about calligraphy, uh, performatively, you know, I thought an extension on my arm would be nice, like doing larger calligraphy. Calligraphy is really intimate and really small. And it's like, if I could make these big, they'd be a, your expression or whatever when you fall into those sort of uh, artistic traps. But the more and more I performed, the more I realized I wasn't using like a singular plane to make the movements. Like I thought at first I was drawing on the floor with it or possibly a wall. Uh, and then eventually all the, all the twisting and turning, I realized I was drawing in three-dimensional space. Uh, so making the sigils themselves not on a singular plane, making them in uniform space. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now all I have to do is go back to those digital technologies that we've all learned how to record and capture our uh, ideas on. It's really interesting. It reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've heard about this, but someone told me that they were working in a um, in the lobby of a hotel in the bar and they met this guy and they became friends with him and um, just kind of as, you know, that service friendship like they come in and they have good conversations you're like oh hey but you don't really know him outside of that and it finally comes out like oh what do you do and they were like oh i i I play piano and Mm -hmm. you know like the simple question like how long have you been playing you know and um the story ended up being really crazy that he was i don't know what he did career-wise before but the guy was horsing around in a in a hotel like with friends in around the pool 
playing football in the pool somehow, you know, some sort of like weird avant-garde form of football. And he dove for the football in the shallow end and hit his head on the floor of the pool and um, went into a coma, had like major concussions, went into a coma, woke up like after a couple weeks, you know, he was injured, but recovered and everything seemed fine cognitively. Um, and except for he, um, he had some weird, like he could like numbness, things like that, where he couldn't feel the tips of his fingers as well. Or, and then he was getting through that. And one day he walked through a friend's apartment by a piano and he went to go just go like ding-a-ling-a-ling as you do. And he realized that he could play and it instantly came. Oh, and that's the other thing he had had before this happened. He had seen, he'd be having all this like, um, weird ocular phenomenon of these these squares rising up that felt like they almost like were coming behind his eye like there was this sphere that he was in and these cubes would come around the sphere and then turn and he could he just couldn't get this image of these turning cubes with kind of like um kind of symbols on them out of his mind and when he went and just screwed around with the piano he realized that they that's what they were that they were they were sound right. and they were notation and that he could instantly right. interface with the keyboard even though he'd like barely ever you know like he played as much as anyone who doesn't play the piano you've like everyone sat down at a piano and screwed around but like he wasn't a player you know and then and now he can just play he can just compose he can compose and he can just play right. like Rachmaninoff or whatever and so I forget what it, I think it's called sudden um, sudden savant syndrome that usually comes from right. injury but it just makes me think about if something like that is is just in our mind you know like and it took for him some sort of trauma to like kind of access that part of right. it of his brain or you know we could say it's the brain or we could say it's the mind it's like it doesn't have to be the physical right. brain but um that it makes a lot of sense you know like to to be able to like to write and to express and I think something that the way you push at at writing and character and meaning in general like suggests that you're like yeah what if we just got around the other side of this thing where it's not so learned or so where you're not like right. responding to patterns and structures like um right and I, I, I know there's musicians you know that make like uh angry or or complicated or uh, decorated music and then they'll make a very stripped down or ambient uh, composition. Everybody will say like, oh, well, you know, this one's so different. Can you talk about that? And usually the answer is like, what's so different about it? Right. Yeah, totally. I think yeah. uh, uh, the way even since we're sort of like uh, not scholars in our, in our craft, uh, when when asked what we do, we sort of say, well, I do this, and you explain the energy behind it, and then, oh, well, eventually it ends up on this sheet of paper, or eventually it ends up as sound. I don't really, I don't really care anymore. I thought I wasn't interested in music. Marilee was making a lot of music for Cuban Beast for like five years. Uh, it's like, I just, I don't think I like it anymore. It's not really the interface that brings me joy. And then... Uh, I got a new synthesizer, which I presume we're listening to right now after this is on the radio. Right. Uh, but this soundtrack we're listening to, I made in two nights with a, with a brand new machine. It's right. like, I was ready to do it. I just had to, you know, feel comfortable with that uh, relationship with that tool. And then there it is. It was already there. It's like, it seems like it came out of nowhere, but I was doing all the work by like, you know, doing balancing work and reading and all the other things that make music in your mind mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's really exciting um i really like the sounds that you produce there especially the i think it was the second file um it really is was like evocative of some sort of um i don't know it had like a place and a, a point in in history but maybe not like the history that exists you know that like i was like oh right. yeah i can i can taste this flavor you know which still exists I, in your work too like it, it reminds me a lot of the first book that you had put out in that series um was right. was so like about was so about being in a place you know and then as your as your stuff really detached like you said from from any signifier like every once in a while you still catch like a whiff of that perfume you know right I think it also makes uh, 
you know, you have like a dedicated pianist who spends their whole life playing the piano, and then you play a, a keyboard-based uh, instrument and make something nice, and they're like, well, you know, you're not you're not really a master of that. And you're like, okay, it's fine. It sounds great. So it really, it sounds just like my poetry or whatever. Right. There's like my one of my teachers was a calligrapher and uh i know when i sort of like dove in i was like all my ideas of language now make sense like i don't even have to use letters anymore uh he was like well, well it's not calligraphy in a school well, yes it is yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. he was mad that i hadn't spent my life studying it or practicing it so my hand is really weak sometimes i don't have like the muscular training uh but i feel like i do have another 30 years of other types of training and after a sort of gets a general idea you know okay there it is for a while yeah, yeah i definitely feel that and i think like those weaknesses are important too or like they're right they emotionally get imprinted into into like the creative process that any you switch mediums right. and you don't have that muscle but then um you have like the dramatic tension of of having that weakness there you mm -hmm. know and also you'll have a musician go like you know well, that's the wrong chord and you're like yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, <you're>, yeah right <laughs> like, yeah it sure is <laughs> yeah well that's really it's also oh, go ahead uh i really like to quit things which i think frustrates people that practice a craft for a very long time like quitting guitar was so awesome yeah the sort of like realizing that if i got better and better and better i it would be worse for me so at a certain point, you like hang it up, and then you know go, you go like I could learn Spanish with all of that hissing energy or something that I could use more. I don't know. Just like sometimes you cap something, and you're like that chapter's over, mm -hmm. and you transpose those ideas onto the next thing. Yeah, quitting is extremely powerful. I definitely have hung up a guitar before for years on right. end, and, and been like, oh, okay, well I can. I can write novels now, you know, like exactly. Um, and that's really that's really interesting. That brings us right to the astrology of right now, where uh, we have like the Mars retrograde in Aquarius, which is very much about like the exile and leaving and going outside. If like if if you know Capricorn is what's inside and Saturn is the barrier itself, and everything inside Capricorn is like what happens in the rules and in the structure. Um, and what happens like in in with precedence and what's seen before then everything in aquarius is what's outside the box like you can't think outside the box without there being a box you know and uh right and yeah so it's about with mars there it's like there's that that impulse that that need and that kind of like irritation to just be like let's go let's it's like that evacuate like i'm out of here screw this you know with mars in retrograde even more so and then coming up to the eclipse and on the 27th of july on k2 which is very ascetic and purging and disgusted with with a um, manifestation is even more so like screw this i'm out of here i'm gonna throw all my clothes in the fire and i'm never coming back you know kind of uh okay. and you can see it all over the news right now which is really crazy mm -hmm. um in different ways things people like certainly like borders and migration and refugees and exiles is totally what's up right now and who's inside who's outside right. and how far outside and like even like the whole right. thing about like um the trump staff being ejected from restaurants and things like that and then like that brings up like the whole idea of like civility like you know like is it right to throw them out or is that just becoming more uh less civil in general and those are just very like that capricorn aquarius border ideas you know like what right. what do we cast people out who's outside who's inside who gets cast out like is that a good tactic you know um and then um, what always, fasc we what always fascinates me about the the border and the displacement issues is that the uh the anger of the people in power who cause the displacement and then deal with the displacement of their own causing that is making them mad like we can go from border conflicts now all the way back to like american slavery or other types of times where the power holders cause the displacement and then get angry at the refugee crisis that uh was caused yeah mm -hmm. certainly yeah 
Yeah, and you, it's weird how it's it's even showing up in um with this. Have you heard about this new tick disease that comes from what they call now the Lone Star Tick? I have not. I'm in the New York City bubble, so <laughs> yeah, my, right. my tick knowledge sort of fell off the yeah. last year. They, they call it the Lone Star Tick because it was identified in Texas, but I guess it um what it causes the sickness that it causes in in you is um extreme stomach or digestional pain from eating meat or drinking dairy and um wow. and so people are just forced to become like vegan or vegetarian which is so yeah so we should we should all get it yeah we should all get <laughs> it yeah but it's just so interesting as people have suggested that Lyme disease in general is part of the defense mechanism of like okay the forest is disturbed we need wild spaces stay out you right. know and that um especially coming from texas where it's yeah, like you right. just really think of eating red meat yeah. in texas right yeah yeah <laughs> i'm sure it's, it's a certainly. stereotype i apologize no i mean <laughs> cattle ranching is a yeah, huge it, industry yeah. there and then yeah and so now the through the ticks we're not getting just like stay out of the forest we're getting and like stop your agricultural madness you know mm-hmm. Which is, yeah, which, which just fits the Aquarian kind of like get out, get away, stop it, like, like you know, let's pull out these factors, you know. Right. So I feel like a summer, even in Providence for the last ten years, but uh, I just had my one year New York City anniversary. Oh uh, uh, yeah, happy anniversary. Yeah, happy which anniversary. Is a, <laughs> which is a lot harder of a city to get out of or get you know, into the forest or wherever and answering that call to the mountain in Maine uh, every summer, which usually even solves sort of industrialized living in Providence uh, respite now seems ever so more important. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we're, we don't have anything planned this year. It's been hard to, like, even make that call because for us it's on the other end. It's like for us, it would be an right. act of centralizing rather than evacuating. You know? Exactly, exactly. We got a quick trip down the Savage Weekend, but it was very, very brief. Yeah, yeah. And so, well, do come and visit. Yeah, do come and visit. Yeah, <laughs> um, truly. But yeah, it's interesting how I think that a lot of the Mars retrograde is going to make people feel like, oh, we got to get out of here, but we can't, you know. And mm-hmm. that's what's going right. to cause the the more violent reaction, especially as we um, come towards the eclipse of just being like, I absolutely have to take a knife to the edge of this bubble and just like burst it, you know, mm. um, right. which is just ends up later on. You're like, that was really cathartic, but I ruined my bubble, you know, right. Um, which isn't <laughs> always what, that's not always like what should have happened, you know, where it'd be much more elegant to uh, like, te- like phase through it or teleport through it or something, you know, like then to just slash it away. Right. There's, there's definitely potential uh, for us to all uh, be in like, kind of like a, a tan- like realize we were in a, a tantrum. You mm-hmm. know? It's a very New York city conversation going on amongst our friends here with uh, limited studio space. Our friend Rachel, who's performing on, Sunday, you know, is like turn the house upside down, which house is even a stretch in the city. Of course, it's like an eight by eight foot cube. And uh, she's like, how do you do it? You know, my bed's on its end. And, you know, Marilyn and I are at practice that moment with the couch standing on its end. It's like mm-hmm. you have to choose what type of space you want. Uh, I'd always have to imagine I'm in like a tree house or like, a, like something that's enjoyably small. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even back to the copper staff, uh, like when I perform or I go outside, I have all the space that that environment provides. But the art of doing it inside this house, which I'm doing right now in this tiny studio, is uh, not allowing it to touch anything in these rooms limits me to that sigil-based space. So, you know, the art sort of came out of these limitations. And then you go like, wow, this room could be no bigger. Like, I wouldn't have made uh, this great decision that was perfect, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it reminds me of, like, so, when people are initiated into Santeria, they wear white for a year, and just that you're yeah. you're forced to be clean, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you, yep. you just have to be so much more mindful of what you do. Exactly like that. I also have half of my library boxed up, which felt like a 
terrible decision upon getting here and now it makes you focus more on what's there and I don't know trying to just enjoy all of the limitations yeah financial limitations space limitations yeah it's interesting too that's uh, sounds like a lot of the um Saturn and Capricorn which is a longer thing going on you know two two and a half years from the start so we're we're like a good ways in now um so another another two-ish years of of, yeah just learning how to deal with limitations and that's especially like as we're recording this is a few days after people are going to hear a few days before people are going to hear it but the full moon last night was conjunct saturn and capricorn so there was like a, a hard oh. lunation people were like oh this is going to be really rough it's just going to be like you're going to be able to feel completely how restrictive life is you know or like um right. and also what you need what you absolutely need like to not starve you know um is going to be like the most apparent and so yeah that was like it's just a moment to like really like be like oh hey this exists for two and a half years but tonight we get to like really feel it yeah right um but that's like something that's going on alongside this stuff that's happening in in Aquarius where Mars is going back and forth over that border so it's kind of like leaving that restricted structural that hard real space to being like hey what about all this like stuff that's just possible it has no precedent whatsoever out in the open you know in nowhere you know in no man's land um and then like coming back to the inside space and being like like kind of like being like hey check it out like look at what i saw out there or does this work in here can i like bring any of that back in here and then going back out there after like you know it's kind of like going outside looking like kind of sizing stuff up going inside kind of being like can i bring that in here and then going back outside and and then you know the parameters of both worlds you know it's um and that's like kind of why people have to kind of take some time and experiment right now rather than make really quick decisions because you could easily be like oh this actually doesn't fit in my life at all mm-hmm. you know um it's like checking the checking both temperatures so do you want to talk about the eclipse the eclipse uh, yeah the eclipse is <laughs> the big the main one. event I feel, yeah. I feel like we've gone over it we've touched on it but yeah that's that's what's that's the 27th yeah that's the 27th that's the big deal um i've discussed it multiple times but i looked you know that and that's the big purge of it that's like what like i said like popping the bubble that's like the part where it all comes to a head and you're like okay i absolutely cannot take this anymore we have to get rid of a bunch of stuff really fast because it's um it's the moon it's like substance and it's on the south node like purge and and getting you know getting kind of like ejecting poison um i looked back to the last time mars went retrograde <clears throat> um in aquarius because it doesn't often go retrograde in aquarius and it was july 11th of 1971 so mars mars goes retrograde every two years and it um for two months and it has like about a 15 or 17 year cycle but it's a really chaotic cycle and it it prefers certain parts of the zodiac over others so that's a long time for it to um, not be retrograde in this sign. So it's mm-hmm. it's rare in general. And that's on the twenty fifth. What's that? It, oh no, you're talking. Okay, I'm talking about yeah, just yeah. the Mars retrograde yeah, yeah. in general. And if you look back at that retrograde, um, you have Nixon was president, so that like that has some resonance, you know, like criminal president. Um, then that was when Gloria Steinman made her address to the women of America. Steinman. Yeah, Steinem. Yeah, Gloria Steinem makes her address to the women of America at the founding of the National Women's Political Caucus, which is um, well, like qu- is oft quoted. It's kind of like frames the paradigm of of um, modern feminism, um, right. where she where she talks about like if race and sex are definable, then they're used to manipulate like immediately. You know, um, right. and then we have a. On the Australian Aboriginal flag was flown for the first time, which if you look at it, it's like red and black with a yellow sun in the center mm-hmm. and looks so Marsy, wow. you know? Um, That's 1971? Yeah, 1971. And so it's like that perimeter perimeter people um, being able to like be expressed. And then we have... Um, what else is going on? Oh, yeah, the Troubles in... Ireland were in full swing at that point 
um, the United Red Army in Japan established by revolutionaries was like a revolutionary um, communist army, which is also very Aquarian too. Like the um, manifestos are very Aquarian as well as avant-garde art, as well as um, like scientific hypothesis, you know, or all like that, that outsider thought. Um, the last George Clippert, the last person in Canada to be arrested and charged and prosecuted and convicted and imprisoned for homosexuality. Um, it's released from prison. Yeah, he was released yeah. from prison. So it's that like leaving that Capricornian space. Um, and Diane Arbus died at that time, who is obviously like was a, um, a capturing doc- the outside. Yeah, yeah documenting the the fringe. Um, and then the United Kingdom opts out of the space race, which is a lot of um. There's a lot of inside outside stuff with Aquarius and, right. and Capricorn, like the eclipse. The eclipses that occurred, like the last time the eclipses occurred on the same nodes that they're going to occur on, um, where the nodes are in the same degree, there was a meteorite called the Tagish Lake meteorite that impacted the Earth in British Columbia. And the next day, like two major airline crashes occurred. And that was the peak of the dot-com bubble in January 21st of 2000. So there's like, we're likely to see some stuff coming in from outside, you know, like... Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean from outer space, but it could. And along that, those right. lines, like in 1971, we had, um, that's when Ziggy um, conceptualized, I mean, when David Bowie conceptualized Ziggy Stardust and was like literally um, a rock star that comes from outer space, you know? And then, uh, mm-hmm. and the first song on that, on that record, Hunky Dory, was Changes, you know, about like that shift. And that's also when... Um, the Rolling Stones released Exile on Main, or were recording Exile on Main Street, and were actually exiled in France because of taxes. Because of taxes, and um, and that's when Walkabout was in theaters. So it's, and the list goes on and on, and we're getting close to time, so we're going to get way more into that and way more into um, Eli's work and what Eli's up to in a second chat that we're going to do we're going to start extending these and have uh, more content and um, so we don't have to wrap it up so quickly and so people if they're interested they can follow links to the continuing chat but you see from the stuff that I've like just quickly stacked up the kind of things that that are going to be resonating back into the now um and we, we see in the news like pretty clearly um, and kind of every story I looked at there was like in France like uh, the butchers are asking for police protection because vegan activists are getting so intense <laughs> wow. uh, and um, what is this cannabis group who's killing one of the cutest and fiercest <laughs> creatures what is this creature <laughs> um, it's, um, it's an article I saw I forget in I think the it's, US yeah it's like the California something marmot it's like a kind of weasel that like mass cannabis production is is like could quickly bring to extinction um right which so it's like the mars retrograde it's fierce you know but and it's also marginalized by this activity um yeah then of course what was the um the socialist talking about Ocasio-Cortez yeah right yeah and that that is like spot on yeah I love this quote um, what were you gonna say Eli no go ahead well her I love this quote um that she told her supporters on Tuesday it says this is not an end this is the beginning this is the beginning because the message that we sent the world tonight is that it's not okay to put donors before your community it's such a shift in perspective mm-hmm. or um, of campaigning, approach to campaigning, I guess. Yeah, is that um, that you're in New York? Is there like a huge stir over that? I, I didn't hear Bonnie as loud that time. Oh, sorry. Oh, um, about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Um, the, twi- the 28-year-old 
socialist. Democratic socialist. Um, no, I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know the word bubble last week. Oh, okay. She um. She ousted this um. The Democratic rep uh, Crowley, or actually his name is Crowley, in New York, who had been there for like almost ten years, and now she. Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. Got it. He kind of didn't even really take her seriously as a threat, and for this, there was going to be a debate in, I think, in the Bronx, and he just sent somebody over. He because he it was a scheduling conflict for him, so he didn't go to the debate, and I I, I really right. don't think he saw this coming. I think. Which we know how we know how that happens with power holders as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we're going to see that a lot with like the surprise element of Uranus and Taurus, which I see in like the Lone Star tick too, because it's like, it's like, Oh, guess what? Like surprise, like you can't eat meat anymore. You know, like as Taurus is so food related and material related, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the way you interact with the materials you take into your body, surprise shift there. Sorry about that. You know, also right. that, um, there's an exhibit that began, um, or it's beginning on the 28th, um, and ending on the October 21st in London, and it's uh, at the National Portrait Gallery. That's all about it's um, Michael Jackson-related art, and so I think that well, he's a really good example of that type of person who's so in the limelight, but so outside of it too, so unrelatable, but absolute crazy pop star. Yeah, it's the perfect like Leo Aquarius axis example. Like mar- the marginalized, yeah, the, the person in the spotlight who's totally marginalized, you know, totally right. exiles himself. Um, so we're running quick on time, but we're going to continue this conversation um, in a separate piece. But before we do and say goodbye for now, do you have anything coming up that you want to tell people about? You mean performance-wise or anything? Yeah. Yeah. Anything that you are excited about? Uh, I'm I'm actually at a moment where uh, I've been saying no to performance, which has been wonderful. I got a new instrument, which led me into sort of like a a mania of recording, and Marley and I getting excited about human beast recordings again. That I think. We were going to have a new in-house label. Oh, uh, amazing. I don't know if that would be limited to music. I think it would just encompass anything. But in that in that hanging up the guitar sort of way, I feel like the old in-house uh, publishing uh, projects have, have found their clothes. And this one would be certainly more centered around healing because mm. uh, that's the way I feel and so there's a lot of like things I have to let go of from the past but I think uh, it, it might start with music but mm. uh, new chapter of publishing yeah I think the um, the marriage of the creative arts and the healing arts is kind of the, the next step for us all it's true it's true I turned 40 last year as well so uh <laughs> 40th birthday present was to be 39th birthday present was to be healthier at 40 than I was at 39 mm-hmm. which worked and uh, present to self at 40 was to be healthier at 50 you know not less old just yeah. healthier yeah Definitely. yeah absolutely so, so sort of got a commitment to at least a decade of healing art and then who knows you know maybe maybe like a really uh antagonistic 60s or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if we become immortal by 50, then we can do whatever we want by the time we're 60. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. This, you know, sometimes that uh, antagonistic or violent energy, you know, we've all been through it. It feels really appropriate. There's different times when you feel that anger, uh, different times when in this inside-outside political conversation where, you know, you're you have to be violent against your oppressors and uh there's a lot of violence right now and so i can't really i can't really harness that energy anymore so yeah that's been yeah well said looking forward to well thanks very much for joining us today and we'll get together 
shortly and we'll have an extended conversation. That's true. <laughs> Thank you, Eli. All right, miss you guys. See you soon. <laughs>